Yeah, so I'm going to speak on faith attracts heaven. It was it was awesome. On Monday, I was having time with the Lord, and um, I was reading about Abraham's life. I was kind of reading from beginning to end, and <clears throat> I was just thinking about when the Lord said things to him, he acted on it, and he just went for it. And all of a sudden, I heard Holy Spirit say, Amy, your faith will attract heaven. And right then I knew that was what I was going to speak on today. And I went to my room and I couldn't stop furiously writing on all the things that the Lord was speaking to me. And I think about that, that faith attracts heaven. It really does. God loves faith and is moved by our faith in him. But I've also found that the opposite is true, that doubt will attract, you know, the enemy doubt attracts fear. Um, and I think I've said this before, but I always think about this. And it, um, it was something from Bill Johnson that I read, but that there are always two king kingdoms at work in our life. And one is the kingdom of heaven where there's like, you know, possi the possible is, uh, is possible with God and impossible things can be made possible. And there's peace and there's love and there's abundance. And then there's the other kingdom, which is, you know, the kingdom of darkness. And it's always trying to undermine the kingdom of light and say, you know, there's not enough. Your solution is too great. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get it. You know, whatever you're believing for, you know, it's always trying to undermine that with fear and doubt. Yeah. And I think that we can look back and um, see how we'll get a word or a breakthrough. And then we go home sometimes. Or we're in, in you know, our our um, alone space. And sometimes we let those thoughts come, right? And they start to be like, did you really get free? Did you really, you know, get that that breakthrough that you always wanted? Maybe maybe you're just the same old person. It's you're going to stay the same. You're going to go back to like it was. It's not going to change. And it tries to steal our joy and undermine what we received. It tries the enemy always tries to get us to re-agree with the lies again. But I've also found which is awesome, that we can train ourselves to do the reverse. And I've been in my room many times contemplating things that people have said, doors that didn't want to open. I felt overwhelming pressure to do things that I didn't want to do. Help, felt hopelessness. Things like, this is just the way it is, or it's never going to get better, or where is God right now, or I'm alone, nobody sees me, I should give up, it's too hard, I'm not enough, things like that. And who recognizes patterns like these in their lives? I think a lot of us would. And I know I used to, like, for years, give into this downward spir spiral of just going through these over and over again when something happened. It was so easy to just go into my place and just be like, I can't do it. I'm go I just want to give up God. I just can't. And I started to believe that I didn't have something to give, that I wasn't special. So I wanted to do a little, like, visual here. So who wants to volunteer? Anyone? John? Okay. So here, you can sit on the chair. Special chair? Yes. So let's say John at church got prayed for and felt like this peace overcoming from all this anxiety he was feeling and this complete breakthrough, and he felt like a totally different man. But he comes home, and here comes the enemy saying, you know, you're just going to stay the same way. It's not going to get better. <laughs> you know, and all of these things, you're alone, John. 
you should just give up. You know, you didn't get a breakthrough. That was just a feeling. It's not going to last. But then I found that I learned that the opposite is true. So here he is in this downward spiral, and all of a sudden he says, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And Holy Spirit comes and he says, John, I'm here with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to fail you. You are not alone. I have good plans for you. And that begins to totally change our mindset. Thank you, John. (laughs) Great job. Great job. Give him a hand. And so I found it's really learning to train ourselves to do the reverse when we're in those dark places, to be like, okay, Holy Spirit, this is the way I'm feeling. What are you saying? And one of my biggest struggles was that I believe that I didn't have the talent or the ability to do what I felt called to do. So I would easily give in, you know, and feel like I'm worthless. And I felt doomed to watch others do what I felt called to and stand on the sidelines. That was kind of my thing. Like, I have these longings and they're doing it and there's nothing left for me. And so I started to get really good at comparison. I was really good at being envious and jealous. And I kind of lived my life out of those places of always like, they've got it, but I don't. And I'm just not good enough. And then, you know, you'd find someone who is not as good enough and maybe I'm okay. And it was just this totally nasty spiral that was totally destroying me. I couldn't see what God saw in me. And my doubt attracted the enemy to wreak havoc in my life. But the amazing thing is that he ended up losing the game because I came into a place where I found that God was good. He was a good father who was always there for me. And I think for years I had this relationship with Jesus, but I always looked at God as the God of, the, you know, like doom and gloom and, and, you know, all of this. Even though Jesus is the exact representation of the father, I still felt like I didn't really know God. And so then when I ended up getting to come to catch the fire and experience, which was their great revelation, was God is a father of love. And I began to experience him like that, and that's when everything in my life began to change into a good spiral instead of a negative one. And I began to go to him and say, what do you think, Papa? You know, as a little child, like kind of broken, and he would speak into my life. Hmm. And I think I'm so inspired by many people of great faith, and I want to become known as a woman of great faith. I love the story of Abraham and how he trusted what God said and acted on that trust. Genesis 15, 6 says, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I love that. He's righteous because he believed what God said. And I've been learning that more and more. God's just asking us. Like sometimes he's speaking to our lives, and we're so down on ourselves that we won't believe it. And he's just like, come on, believe what I said. Abraham shows his faith time and time again in moving to an unknown land that the Lord called him to and giving his nephew the choice of a better land, in battling an army to save Lot, his nephew, in believing that he would have a son from a barren wife, in laying Isaac on the altar, and so much more. And I think Abraham had a sense of the faithfulness of God, that when God says it, he comes through, and he began to have this really great trust relationship with God, and it manifested, you know, as faith, and he counted, he was counted as righteous because of it. 
And I wanted to read some of Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, because it sums up so many awesome stories in the word of his children's faith. So Hebrews 11, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people of the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel offered a more acceptable offering to God than Cain. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval by his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he speaks to us of his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him, for he was taken up. He was known as a person who pleased God, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from a flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city that was built and designed by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like stars in the sky and sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it and agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for a country where they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, that God would bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings to the, in future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. And it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bad to worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. I love those stories on and on of these men and women who heard what God said and they stood on it. And the chapter keeps going to people who had unfulfilled promises, but they kept standing on God and they never gave up and they all received their rewards in heaven. And I think about how truly moved God is by faith and how it really does attract heaven and the kingdom manifests. God is like when all seems impossible, when I'm struggling, they keep trusting and they keep, they keep 
you know, standing on me, and I get to show the miracles and so much more. One of my favorite verses ever that I found that the enemy really tries to get at, like, is that really true, Amy, is um, Ephesians 3.20. In the Amplified Bible, it says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare to ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. And I love it in the Passion Translation. It says, Never doubt God's mighty work to work God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will do them all, for his miraculous power will constantly energize you. I love that. It's been a verse all my life that I've been like, I want that. God, I can imagine so much. Can you actually do more than I can imagine, you know? And, you know, I'd be like, no. Amy, it's not going to happen for you, you know? And it's just like, no, I need to, this is his word, and I need to stand on it in faith. And it's a verse that I cling to in hope, and I want to believe with all of my heart. I want to see the impossible made possible. I want to pray for the blind and see them set free. I want to pray for a paraplegic and see them walk. I want to pray for the dead and see them raised. I really do in my lifetime. I want to see this dream center that I've, have dreamed of for so long come to pass. And I want to see this city and this nation changed by the power and the love of God. But I realize now, and this is an amazing thing, that it's not going to be my strength, it's not going to be my talents, it's not going to be my abilities, but it's going to be about my surrender and my trust and my faith in the God who can do the impossible through me. I love this. He doesn't require you to be good enough. He doesn't require you to be strong enough, but he does require your faith. I want to say that again. He doesn't require you to be good enough. He doesn't require you to be strong enough, but he does require your faith. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11 says, But he answered me, My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. I love that. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply that the mighty power of Christ is living in me. So I am not defeated by my weakness, but I am delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I am surrounded by troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. So good. And I... I've found so much in my life. God is not a, I will show you every step of the way kind of God. He's a God who gives us a direction, and then he wants us to step out in faith. (sighs) And I think my heart breaks so much when I see people, like, they're not moving, and they're not going forward because they're like, I need to know everything. I need to know where I'm going. I need to know the every step. And so they're stuck, and I'm like, no, he's told you something. Now you have to step out, and that's what trust is. That's what faith is. And I was, um, there's this book called The Furious Longings, no, not The Furious, um, Ruthless Trust by, um, by Brendan Manning. And uh, he said in it that this man went to Mother Teresa in India and he said, can you pray for me? And she was like, sure, what can I pray for you for? And he said, can you pray for me for clarity? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't pray f- for you for that. And he was like, why? And she said, because clarity eliminates trust and God wants you to trust him right now. And I was I was 
reading that and I started to think and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, mind blown. <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden I was like, it's true. I'm like, there's been so many times I'm crying out to God, show me exactly how it's supposed to go. Show me. And, and he was like, I've given you this direction. Now you have to trust me. Huh. Mm. God gives us a direction, but then he requires an act of faith, and the way isn't always clear. I remember when God called us to plant this church. We moved here within a week, like something like that. We went and moved and got a house, and Adam got a job, and we're like, yes, it's going to start right away, and we've got a team, and it's going to go. And we never had any idea how hard the road ahead would be how long it would take to get into a building, like I think it was four years of living here before we even got in a building. And literally, people were saying, there were bets on you, like whether you guys would make it. You know, like we thought you'd all fold. You know, and things happened. And if, to be honest, I think if I saw the road ahead, what it had looked like back then, I probably would have been like, yeah, God, no. No, I, I, I'll... I'm called to something else. You Can you, like, give me plan B, you know? At the time, like, we were either going to move to England or we were going to plant a church in Wasega Beach. And I was like, done, Lord, yes. I say yes. And we were, we literally went to Wasega Beach. We met with Peter and Heather Jackson, who have a father heart ministry, and we're like, we're doing this. And then God was like, no. Like, very clearly. And turn about face and change your direction. And then he took quite a while to tell us what direction. And I remember reading my journal, like, why, Lord? What are you doing? Where are we going? Like, ah, you know. And then he began to give us dreams about Kitchener and all of this. But he had such a different road than we expected, but we stepped out in faith. And time and time again, I was broken and like, did I make the right choice? And I had to go back to the Lord and cling to him. And Lord, did I make it? Was, was it even Kitchener? I don't know, you know. And God would just be like, press on. Keep going. I have a plan. I'm going to do a thing. And he would give me these visions for Kitchener. And I knew that we were in the right place. <laughs> and I think through it all, you know, I think of the journey and who I was then and who I am now. And it's like because of those struggles, I trust him so much more because he came through time and time again. And because of those hardships, it made me cling to him so much more. And I can literally say that I absolutely trust in the Lord my God now. And I wouldn't have said that when he called us to plant this church. So the journey sometimes can be hard and it doesn't look the way that we think, but he is good and he always has a plan and he's always working. And I remember like a long time ago, we lived in BC and I was like acting all the time and I was singing and I was singing with a band and you know as a captain of my sports team and we were like doing all of this amazing things and then my dad's like we're called to move and go to YWAM and I was so angry at him and then years later I'd always felt like I missed out and my sister ended up coming to me and I think I've told you guys this but she ended up giving me this word like two years ago and basically was like, if you would have stayed there, you would have been successful and achieved a lot of your dreams, but God knew the desires of your heart, Amy. And he didn't take you the glamorous route. He took you the hard route because he knows who you're going to be. And he wanted you to know, like, 
I'm taking you to the place where you will get your heart of hearts because your heart will be so after me. And I know that if I would have stayed in BC and been doing all of the talent things that I loved, I wouldn't have the love for Jesus that I have, and that's what I want more than anything. (sighs) Sometimes, I think a lot of the times, he swoops in at the last minute to see if we truly trust him. And I wanted to share some stories of this. Um, Matthew Barnett from the Dream Center in LA, LA um, felt like he was called to um, buy this building, which was an ex-hospital. It used to be a hospital. And uh, it was about $4.4 million. And he had like hardly any of that. And so he gave everything, like their life savings towards it. And I think if it didn't go through, he would lose a lot of that money. And it was getting very close to due date. Nothing was coming in. And literally, there was this man that had come from his father's church, his father's massive pastor out in Arizona, and he had rebuked him and been like, you know, you are wrong, and what, what you're doing is crazy, and, and all of this. And um, near the, the time when it was going to close, and they were either going to get it or not, and they had, like, almost no money towards it, this man came to him, and he said, God came to me in a dream and said, something will happen bad to me if I don't repent to you and give you my money. And so this man came, and he apologized to Matthew and said, I was wrong to rebuke you. I was wrong. This is the Lord. And he gave him a million-dollar check. And he said, and I went to all my business friends and told them about this, And they ended up all backing him up, and the money came in right around the due date. And I'm just like, come on. And, like, he has this massive hospital, and, like, one whole, like, level is ex-prostitutes. And, you know, another level is ex-pimps and drug addicts. And they're, like, changing the city, and crime's gone down 88%. And it was just like he kept standing, God, you're going to come through. (laughs) And sometimes crying out in desperation, I'm sure. And I've heard a, a story of a missionary, and they felt like God's like, you're supposed to go to this country at this time, but they had no money. But in faith, they packed their bags, they got ready, they went to the airport. And I remember this story, and I was so amazed. He went up to the ticket counter with no money, like, okay. And a person came to the airport right to the ticket counter and said, the Lord told me to be at this spot at this time. I'm supposed to pay for your trip and your travel expenses. Here's a check boom, here's here, I can pay for my ticket. And he goes, and I'm just like, wow, like to literally pack your bags, go to the ticket counter in faith. It's amazing. But it's so cool. And I remember at, at CTF, they were talking about different church plants and they're like, we don't always want to financially support all of you because we want you to have your own faith journey where you have to believe for the money to come in for your church plant, where you have to see it so that, you know, we're not hatching the, the chick out of its egg, but the the chick is hatching out himself, basically, and we're getting our own faith journey and our own trust. And remember, Catch the Fire New Zealand was like, we were pretty angry, John, or not, that you didn't give us money. And he's like, I had to forgive you. But then all this money came in because we trusted and we stood on God, and then we realized that we needed our own faith journey. So I love that. And I want to share a tiny bit about um, CTF Raleigh. And they were, you know, in different buildings um, as a church plant there, and uh, they, they ended up, the building that they were in, they finally really liked it. And then they're like, oh, we ha- we're going to sell this building. And Duncan really felt like the Lord wanted them to go after this building. And so he, was, he talked to his board, and they were all like, I don't know, Duncan, but if you really feel like you want to go for it. And they were started praying about it. And I think they gave their everything that was left in the bank of their money, like 65000 something like that, towards it. And they needed $1.4 million. 
and they ended up, um, he was just praying and crying out to God, and they had to go on this trip, and money hadn't come in, and Duncan was like crying and crying out to the Lord, and he ended up being on this boat, and as they went through this river, I think, I don't know where it was, Florida or California or something, I don't know, yeah, Florida, and they, he ended up seeing these houses after houses of like crazy mansions, like all of these mansions, and he began to be like, God, they have all this money, they have all this money, and he's crying out, and God says, you are my son, you're not, you're not just my son, but you can be my co-heir, you know, my, my business partner, and, and God said, I will give you the money, and then Duncan all of a sudden felt like if I cry out anymore, it would be a lack of faith, and it would be sin, so he stopped crying out. He stopped praying. He said, it's done. And he ends up coming back to around again, the time of closing. And someone ends up, um, he gets a check. And uh, he doesn't know who it's from. It was anonymous. But basically, like, to my business partner, you know, here was a check. And it was about $1 million, So they still needed a bit more. And then Dungum was like, I need to get a loan and all of this. And then all of a sudden, God's like, are you not going to trust me for the rest? Like, are you not going to have faith? And then the rest of the money came in. And they got their building. And it's just so cool. And now they've got another building that was like $3 million. And the, like Duncan's just not stopping and going after that faith. And I love it. And I was so inspired listening to the pastors at the pastor's retreat. You know, in Castle Fire, Manchester, they kept passing this empty church building. And they kept saying, it's ours. And they called them up and they're like, you can't have it. And Kieran, the pastor, and his wife, Laura, were like, no, it's ours. And they kept praying and praying. And three months later, they get a call it's changed, people. We heard you wanted it. You can have it. And it would just hit me of like, I got to do that more. Like sometimes we hear no and we walk away, you know. And that, that was so me as a child. Like as soon as my dad said no, I kind of carried rejection. So I was like, okay, dad, fine. I'll never ask you again, you know. But it's like, no, God wants us to ask and believe and be like, let's go for it. It's not a name it, claim it, but it's like God said it, so I'm going to believe and stand on it. Hmm. And I think, you know, God brought a friend to us and he said, you know, you guys are supposed to buy a house. When uh, at the time, um, our landlords were like, you have to be out of the house. We're going to sell it. And it was for like 400000 or something. We didn't have that. And we didn't even have money for a down payment. And, and he sent someone and he's like, you guys are supposed to buy a house. And we were looking at rentals at the time. But Adam and I were like, okay, let's actually look at houses and step on faith, even though we have no money. And it was so cool. We began to look at houses and we found a house and everything came through and the money came in and God was faithful. And, I, you know, and, and then about four or five months later, the housing market jumped and we wouldn't have even been able to get the house that we got. And so it's just like God knew what he's doing and he's faithful, even though I was like, I don't want to move and I don't, all of these things, but God knows, you know, and, and when you look back, you're like, oh, I get it. You know what you were doing? His timing is perfect. And we felt like God was saying, it's time to take your church at the same time that we moved into a building. And so we just stepped out in faith and we started looking because before all the doors were closed, we kept trying to find a building and they'd be like, no, 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 shut door for so long. And we're like, is it ever going to happen? But then we felt this in our spirits and people called us up and we're like, don't do it. You're going to fail. You're going to get eaten alive by wolves. But I knew in my spirit that we had to do it. I just felt that. And so we ended up getting this little sportsplex um, room in, in the activist center by the ice. And 
it was cold and it was hard for people to find. And we started being like, God, we really wanted that Stanley Park Community Center. We wanted it for over a year or something like that. But it wasn't um, available. And my dad calls us up about two weeks into the sportsplex. And he's like, I feel like we should call there again. I felt like God told me to do that. So we call and they're like, someone's just vacated. It's open if you want to come and sign. So we came, we looked through and we're like, this is it. So this February is two years. I'm like, come on, this February is two years. It's crazy. And I can't believe the amazing things that God has done. I think I could speak for hours upon hours upon hours about the testimonies that God has done, you know, in my life. He's always moving. He wants to pour out revival, but he needs our faith so that we can release his kingdom on earth. I just have to look at Ethan and know that he is a God who heals. And I look at it, so many of you who have shared your testimonies of breakthrough and how you have came here and um, healing uh, and how you've fallen deeper in love and many of you have shared and I've seen God's mighty power at work within you in this church and it's amazing. He's brought so many of you guys to us in such incredible ways. We've become a unique and precious family. And he's building something beautiful out of us. I totally believe that. And we want to be a church that's full of faith and a church that attracts heaven. That's the cry whenever I leave worship. Just God, come. Have your way. Take over my set. Do whatever you want. I just want heaven on earth. I want you to come. I don't want to just sing songs. I want your spirit. Hmm. Some practical steps to faith are really getting to know that God is good and asking him to reveal himself to you. Experiences, experiencing his father heart of love for you, it changes everything. Learning to get rid of lies and replace them with truth to which you can cling when times are tough. And you can also listen on how to do that. Melissa spoke um, a message on restoration a while ago, and it's on our CTF Kitchener website under sermons. She went through some practical steps. Learning to reverse doubt by listening to what God's saying and renewing our minds. We can trust in him and see him come through, and it builds faith. We, read, we can read the word of God with the Holy Spirit and memorize scriptures, and then when those hard times come, they end up popping into our head and giving us ground to stand on. And I find just being around anyone full of faith, you can't help but like totally get contagious from it, you know? I love it. Take consistent time out for intimacy with God. Step out in faith and watch him move and live a lifestyle of thankfulness, looking for the good. And it, it really changes everything. And honestly, the more that you pursue God, the more that your faith grows because you realize who he is and you can't help but believe what he says. And I love that um, <clears throat> Bill Johnson, he has like cue cards and he writes testimonies all the time on them and he gets more people to tell him testimonies and he has them on him all the time. And whenever he's going through something, he just starts reading them and his faith just builds. I'm like, oh, that's so good. I remember a while back I was feeling down and I began to wrote write just a list of things I was thankful for. Some like Ethan's healing and bringing Jenny and all of these things that God did, these miracles. And 
all of these things I wrote down, and I just began to re read it, and literally my mindset turned around, and I felt totally different. And I was reminded of his thankfulness. Hmm. And I think, you know, it's been a lot of a mental battle when you're pregnant. I, at least for me, I've been really sick and feeling exhausted all the time. And I can't do the things that I was able to do, you know, a few months ago. And I started to really feel like, started to think of like, ah, oh, I have to cancel my volleyball league. <laughs> and I can't meet with as many people because I'm feeling so sick. And I start to just feel like I'm, I'm all of these things that I'm, you know, feeling are all these bad things. And um, we had some of our leaders over and they prayed for me on Wednesday night. And I remember one of them prayed for me. Um, God wants to thank you for bringing another worshiper into this world. And just the simplicity of that, it just hit me. And uh, she said to me, I want you to know that, uh, hmm, I want you to know that you're sacrificing and you're serving this baby. And God sees that. And just like, oh, like instead of me looking at like this baby's doing this to me and I'm feeling so like, and I don't want to go through this again and I'm scared. Instead, it's like, no, I'm going to sacrifice and give up my body and go through pain for this baby because I want to serve this child. And it changes your perspective. It really does. And now it's like I feel hope instead of when I'm lying there or when I'm over the toilet throwing up. It's just like, God, I am serving this baby. You are worth it. And then I ask, Holy Spirit, show me who this baby is. And then, you know, he's just saying, this child is a worshiper. And this child has such a destiny and will go farther than you'll ever go, you know. And then you're like, okay, I can serve this baby because this baby is yours. And it's a gift. And children are a gift from the Lord. So many times, so many times I tell people I'm having a fourth. And you know how much negative comments I get from the world. Oh, my gosh. Like, good on you, girl. Or like, you know, I pity you. I've had that. I pity you. You know, I'm just like, no, I love my children. I want to have another one. <sighs> Serving, it changes everything. In the midst of feeling helpless, I've been given hope. Something that God reminds me of time and time again is when I'm facing despair, doubt, opposition, and adversity, it's this that David was not a trained warrior. He didn't have the physical prowess to take out Goliath himself. But what he did have was an amazing faith in the God who was upon him. He knew that the Spirit of the Lord was with him, and through that he could take down a giant. And over and over again when I'm feeling overwhelmed against something that seems too big, I continually remind myself of that. David couldn't take out Goliath on his own, but he had you, so I can take out my Goliath no matter what, that I have all of this going on. God, you are always enough. The same spirit on David is in us, and for that we press on in faith. When we become God's children, I love it. His spirit literally resides in us. And I've heard this said, but I love it. The Holy Spirit is God's muscle in us, and the more that we exercise that muscle, the more that our faith grows and we get stronger in using Holy Spirit and things like that. Yeah, I just want to pray now. God, I just thank you so much for your presence. 
I thank you so much that you're a God that can be trusted, a God that we can have faith in, that you're a God who doesn't fail us. Yeah, and I, God, I just pray that where we've been feeling full of fear, where we've been having doubt creep in, where we've listened to those words that undermine what you're saying, God, I pray that you would come in and you would speak. God, I pray that we would have the strength rise in us because when we're weak, you are strong to come before you and hear your words of life. And that we would stand on those promises. That we'd stand in faith and say, yes, we can take this city. Yes, we can take it. God, that we would move mountains. And it's not me, it's not one of us, it's us together as a church, all part of the body. Everyone is needed. And God, I just pray that you would begin to build such faith in this church like never before. I just pray that you would increase the levels of faith that we have. God, and we repent, we repent for where we've lacked in faith and where we've let disappointment come in and fear and doubt. And we ask that you would renew our minds. Give us faith for a new building, Father, when it is your timing. Give us faith to heal the sick, the deaf, to heal the dead, to raise the dead, God, and to do the things that you've called us to do. And I pray that the power of the enemy would be broken over us or we feel like we're not enough because we are always enough with the spirit of the Lord that is upon us. God, give us the faith of David. Hmm. Yeah, and I feel like each of you in your own words, just ask God for faith and, and ask him to just take away those things that hinder us from believing what he says. Yeah, so just take time in your own to just pray. <clears throat>